0: To football, we are going to continue our big board breakdowns: quarterbacks number one through ten, our top interior offensive linemen, and our top linebackers to round it out. Matt Mello and Connor. And off the top, guys, obviously, uh, we're living in a different world Thursday afternoon than we were Tuesday morning when we recorded the last podcast. And because of that, there there will be some changes. We're still going to bring you three podcasts a week. We're still going to break down the NFL draft, but. Uh, until we have more information for the foreseeable future, uh, we will not be on camera. So if you watch the show on YouTube, if you watch in the BR app, uh, that is just being paused temporarily until uh, things kind of get back to normal. So still three podcasts a week. We're going to be here breaking down uh, as much NFL news as we can uh, as things kind of unravel with the coronavirus. So uh, hopefully, I know all three of us feel this way, you all take care of yourselves Follow the directions that we're being given. If you don't have to go into work and you're fortunate enough, like we are, to work for companies that aren't making you go into work, take advantage of that. Wash your hands. And and let's just take care of each other. Like It's not enough of that going around. Let's just be kind to each other. Let's take care of each other.
1: Be informed about what's going on. That's important. There, there's a lot. And obviously, uh, the NCAA canceling uh, March Madness, not really something that we deal with. Uh, but I think eventually we are going to have to deal with what the NFL does with the coronavirus and how they handle everything. No news as of right now when we're recording. It's uh, about four o'clock central time on Thursday. But like Matt said, if we hear anything, we will let you guys know three times a week. Still Monday, Wednesday, Friday.
2: It's going to be interesting. I mean, we've seen the sports world completely come to a halt here. Obviously, not only just suspensions, but now the March Madness tournament's being canceled. So baseball season's going to be pushed. The NBA and NHL seasons are on hold. There's just so much going on in the world with this now all at once. And I guess if there is some kind of bright side, you know, we will still be delivering shows. If you're tired of opening Twitter and going to the explore tab and reading about the coronavirus for five hours straight or having the news on and you need a you need that 45 minute break or an hour break. You know, hopefully, this show can continue to deliver that to you. And one thing, and we're going to spend some time on this at the
0: top of the show the NFL has canceled their annual meeting, but they have also said that the league year, which is scheduled to start March 18th, will go on as planned. So, right now, we've not seen changes from the NFL. We haven't seen, again, as of Thursday night, we haven't seen anything about will the draft be postponed? Will it be changed? Talking to scouts today, just trying to get a feel because. I know, like, a, a, you know, Melo is a Chiefs fan, Connor's Jets fan. Both your teams have pulled people in off the road and said, Hey, coaches, scouts, you're not going to be going to pro days. You're not going to be going to private workouts. Come in. You don't need to be out there. I've talked to many scouts today who actually, number one, I mean, they're relieved because a lot of these guys are, you know, go, you're going from hotel to hotel. You're not eating well. You're not taking care of yourself at, at the level you would like to. So they're relieved that they now get to like just go home and be with their families, who we're all concerned about at this point. But then also, I don't know, I-, I bet I talked to four or five different scouts over the course of the last 24 hours who were like, you know what, we might actually draft based on football this year. Like, We're going to draft guys based on film, not on workouts, not on pro day times, maybe not even on combine times, because you're not going to have as much of a comparison. So I know a lot of scouts who were saying – you know what? The best player from college football on film is probably going to they're going to be at the top of the board this year because there's not going to be as much
1: time to overthink it. Well, and there, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about the combine and how everything had changed for the combine this year. There are a lot of guys who haven't tested yet. And that aren't going to have that opportunity. I think T. Higgins just barely got in his pro day, so we have his forty time now. But you know, a lot of other players, like you said, Matt, we're going to go off tape. Like, you don't have those workouts. You're not going to have the private workouts. You're not flying out there to meet uh, with teams. I saw Jordan Brooks, the guy we're going to talk about later, the linebacker from Texas Tech, had fifteen meetings scheduled wow. with teams, and now and he's he's not able to. And take a it. guy
0: like him who's been hurt. That's, from the player's perspective, that's who could be hurt in this process, is a guy like Jordan Brooks or Brandon Jones, who is another player in that.
1: Tua. Or- Or it'll be like the NBA draft where you're drafting everything off potential. Or, you know, MLB where they just say, uh, what I saw on tape, I think we can probably develop this guy. So maybe guys like that that do have a lot of question marks but have a lot of potential, maybe we see their name rise up now. One thing I saw on Twitter, guys, someone asked me this. What
0: happens to Tua? I think it was Andrew Magnuson asked us this. What happens to Tua who uh, was expecting a pro day on April 9th? Now that is 27 days from now. A lot could change. Hell, a lot's changed in two days. A lot can hopefully change (laughs) for the positive in 27 days. So, what will happen with Tua and with these other guys, Mello? And Connor, here's what could happen. All colleges are required to film their pro day and they upload that to a database. I think Daniel Jeremiah had a tweet thread about this that was really helpful for people who haven't been in this process. So Alabama can still have a pro day and they can still film it. It's just not going to be distributed to, or or excuse me, it would be distributed. You're not going to have 32 teams come in. You might have the Atlanta Falcons. That's the closest team. It's about a four-hour drive. You'd have someone from Atlanta come in, run the pro day, and send that video up for all the teams to view, just like you do college game film. So I think we could still have pro days. They're just not going to be attended by, you know, the Seahawks aren't coming to Tuscaloosa.
2: I think it's. I mean, that's the biggest thing. When you look at it, it's just going to limit teams being able to go see the players. I think going back to you talking about the visits, it, I understand scouts saying, hey, we'll draft guys off football now. But for the guys that didn't get to go to the combine now, you know, those teams don't get to do medicals on them if they can't get them to the facility. So I think that hurts the players that weren't invited to the combine more than anything. But without a doubt, I mean, they're going to see. Everything on tape, they're going to have that ability to do so. And I think when it comes down to it, is it the biggest deal? It's not the most pressing one, but I still think for certain teams, it will have an impact, not really maybe on the guys in rounds one through three, unless you're Tua who's going through this healing process, but more on the back end of the draft. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be, I think, interesting. It's
0: unprecedented. That was the word I was looking for. I said that to you guys right before we started recording. It's unprecedented. So a lot, of I know a lot of you are looking to us for answers that we just don't have yet. We can speculate about what this world is going to look like. It's 40 days until the draft. I have no idea. No I, idea what it's going to look like.
1: I, I hope for all of our listeners that are going to the draft, I hope you got some entrance, at least on those flights. I know that I had to book a flight for the draft uh, myself going to New York. Got that trip insurance. Don't usually do that. Went ahead and did it this time. Yeah, no, it's
0: it's smart. And again, like I said at the top, let's just all take care of each other. Uh, be kind to one another. Yeah, I don't in this know time. if
1: we mentioned this. Like, the draft is going to happen.
0: <laughs> we think like, I mean, it will happen. It will happen. It might not happen Players April will get selected.
1: We just might, I mean, it'll be different. It'll be like the first time Mel Kuyper was doing the draft on ESPN by himself. It'll be him talking about, you know, players, it'll be us talking about players, but I, I, I don't know if it'll be a fan event, but those players are going to get selected probably the same day. Yeah, April. I can't,
2: yeah, I just can't see it, you know, being something for the public. You're not letting uh, 600,000 people. That's the thing. Nashville last year had an estimation of 600,000 people across three days, which brings in an unbelievable amount of tourism revenue that has to be put to the side. You are not having that kind of show in Vegas. I think for the team, it, it really just seems to me, guys, like this would be a digital experience. I, I can't even see them having any kind of stage. Maybe they do something very closed off where there are top-tier players there that get to go shake the commissioner's hand or maybe even give him a fist bump at this point, honestly. And, no and then you just hold up the jersey and take the picture, and that's it. And for the teams, they're just all doing this digitally. I don't see how you can have a crowd. I, I mean, here in New York, they don't want crowds anything over 500. Right now, that is not a big number of people. It's.
1: I think the NFL draft is going to look like the coolest fantasy football draft you've ever seen. It'll be like (laughs) watching somebody else's online draft, being very excited about the players that they get.
0: Yeah, but we will cover it regardless. How? That is my promise to you guys. If I have to be sitting in my basement in Joplin, Missouri, on Instagram Live covering the draft, we will do it this year. When players get picked, we're going to cover it. I know that. it's a major priority for Bleach Report, so I don't think I'll be in my basement on Instagram Live, but uh, we'll see. But if that's what it takes, damn it, that's what we'll All do. Right, we'll do it. I've seen Castaway. I will Tom Hanks this, uh, which hopefully he's okay, poor, you know. Poor right. So not not my best analogy. All right, <laughs> let's take a break. We're gonna rank the quarterbacks one through ten, then give you our interior offensive line and linebacker ranks before closing the show with some draft on draft questions from you guys. It is time to talk quarterbacks, and I'm going to be honest with y'all, this might be a little boring, because I thought when we talked about this the other day, we would be very, very different on the quarterback rankings. We are not, which uh, I think says a lot about this class, and one way that I view it is, I believe there's an elite quarterback in this class. Below that, there's a really good quarterback, then there's some question marks, then there's some backups. That's how I view it. Now, if seven players came out of this class and eventually started in the NFL, I would not be surprised, because... There is, I I think, well, let's just jump into it. Number one for me, Joe Burrow. Number two, Tua. Number three for me, Justin Herbert. Four, Jordan Love. And I'll tell you, I have those two players ranked right by each other. I believe they're 21 and 22 on my big board. I am trying to split them, and it's very hard. I I text Melo the other day, man, I, I think I might like Jordan Love a little bit more than I realized. You know, watching more film, studying the Senior Bowl practices. And then you'll watch another game and be like, nope. And I don't think <laughs> then I knew. you turn on that like, LSU tape and right. like, I actually, oh, liked actually that one like that's what's bad it's like it was against LSU and he had no help I kind of liked that one so uh, number five Jalen Hurts and he is rising if any player on this board has risen for me in the last month it is Jalen Hurts six Jacob Eason seven Jake Fromm Nate Stanley from Iowa eight James Morgan nine and Jake Luton at ten and I want to talk about Jalen Hurts for a second and the reason I have put Jalen Hurts over Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm. We have talked about it. We've danced around it. We've dipped our toe in the water about this. The NFL has moved away from players who cannot move in the pocket. Jacob Eason, five years ago, probably would be the number one quarterback in this class, or at least number two. Six foot five, big strong arm, stands in the pocket. But he, he is so bad when stressed in the pocket. When it gets muddy, he can't handle it. And for Jake Fromm, He just does not have the arm strength to execute outside the hashes. He can't move. And again, five years ago, I probably would have really liked a Jake Fromm type player and said, you know what, he could be a starter in the right system. And he might still be a starter in the right system, but those teams are few and far between. Where a Jake Fromm is going to be able to carry you as more than a, what I believe is a high level backup type quarterback. So that's, those are my rankings, Melo. You hop. On.
1: I, I also like seven guys in this quarterback class. After that, it really falls off. And I mean, we all have the same seven guys up there. So I don't think it's a surprise at all. But number one for me, Matt, you talk about Joe Burrow being the elite guy in this class. I'm not ready to throw around that title with Joe Burrow yet. I think he's the surefire number one pick. I don't have him and Tua separated by much, and I think Connor and I have both said it a million times. If it's not for the injury, Tua's probably number one overall in this board, uh, at least at quarterback for me. So Burrow number one, Tua sitting there at number two, a very close second place though. And I actually have Jordan Love third. Because I keep going back and forth on these guys too. I actually, I checked my big board on my big board. I had Herbert ahead of Love. It just, it keeps flipping depending on the day. If you're listening to this on Friday, you ask me on Saturday. I might have watched more tape and changed my mind again. But for right now, Jordan Love, his upside, his ability to move, the arm strength and talent there is just too much to, to overlook. And when you're comparing him with Herbert, I think they both make a lot of mistakes. But if I'm looking at upside, I like Love a little bit more than Herbert. Herbert comes in at four, followed by Jalen Hurts, who he's a riser. I mean, I kind of knew it was going to happen. You get this guy in a room, you interview him, you talk to him, let him work the board. He's going to shoot up draft boards, and that's what he's doing right now. Number six for me, I'm going Jake Eason, too. Uh, him and Jake Fromm are right there, neck and neck. Jake Fromm won that job at Georgia. Those days are over, though. And, and Jacob Eason, you look at the arm talent, again, it's there. Uh, he can make the NFL throws. Jake Fromm, I I still like. Uh, just the college football guy in me likes Jake Fromm and what he did at Georgia. A lot of questions, though, with that arm, with his ability to move, like you said. And then for me rounding out, number eight, I have Nate Stanley, quarterback from Iowa. number nine, Cole McDonald, number 10, James Morgan for me. I just I don't love those three guys at the bottom. Uh, if I'm drafting a quarterback if I need one, I'm probably not taking one of those three guys. I would rather fill another position and wait another year.
2: I'm, I'm with you there. I, listen, this is not my favorite quarterback class. I'll get that off the top. I, I don't think it's very good, and thank God Joe Burrow made the jumps he did, or else it would look a lot worse. So I like Joe Burrow. He's number one overall, and I still really, really like Tua. He's number two overall. Nothing there is going to surprise you. I think both of them, barring any any health issues, will be franchise quarterbacks at the next level. Quarterback three, Jordan Love. I I like him more than Justin Herbert. You're kind of starting to throw darts when you get into this range because you're betting on traits. You are not betting on what you've seen on film the last couple years. There are a lot of bright spots. There are a lot of bad spots. And that is the same for Justin Herbert, quarterback four. Quarterback five, Jalen Hurts. Once again, Melo said it. Matt said it. He's been a big riser. I think in the right system, he could be a a pretty solid player and definitely a guy with starting potential. Quarterback six, Jake Fromm just never took really the right steps in the last couple years after a very, very promising freshman season. He looks like a long-term backup. Quarterback seven, Jacob Eason, uh, just, you know, huge arm, has been horrific under pressure. Uh, James Morgan, quarterback 8, actually like his tools out of these back-end quarterbacks. Quarterback 9, Anthony Gordon. Quarterback 10, did not get a combine invite. Tyler Huntley, going to be very system-specific. You're looking at a team like Baltimore or a team like Seattle, but I do think he can play in those systems if he gets a shot, remains to be seen. So once again, not the deepest quarterback class, not the best quarterback class, it seems like an average one. There's two guys I feel really good about and then the rest are a mix of traits guys and long-term backups.
0: Yeah, and I'll, like Anthony Gordon intrigues me as a one-year starter at Washington State. Cole McDonald's kind of like kind of fun. I know we joked the other day. He's been he amazing fun. in the XFL, but like he's fun to watch, but again, I'm not of the 255 picks. I don't know that I'm using
1: one on him, you know? Right. I think that, I mean, none of us mentioned Shea Patterson. I guess we're talking (laughs) about him. Steven Montez is another guy. There's just, there are some quarterbacks out here that they're okay, but I'm probably not drafting them. I, I think if I'm any NFL team, I'm probably putting seven of these guys on my board. And then after that, don't care. Just not taking one. Well, like I know you have your drafted quarterback every year theory. Maybe not uh, this, this year. I think this year you probably don't do that.
0: <laughs> well, maybe not this year. And I, I will, mine is kind of, you know, it's more wordy and not as fun to say, but like add one through undrafted free agency if you don't have the pick. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got yeah. five picks, you're not drafting one. But, right. and honestly, like if I had to roll the dice on a day three quarterback this year, we didn't see Nate Stanley at the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Game or the NFLPA. I like Nate Stanley's tools at least. I might honestly, like if I just had to, like, Fuck it, roll the dice. You mm-hmm. would probably be Anthony Gordon. Yeah. If I, I were drafting for like if I were a GM.
1: If you're sitting there in like round five and you're like, well, ownership wants me to take a quarterback. We kind of need a backup guy. If I'm stuck with one of them, I would take Nate Stanley out of Iowa.
2: Yeah, it gets interesting. I, I'd probably go with Gordon. Once again, I said I like some of Morgan's tools. It just seems like Eason from those guys are going to be over drafted. I, I don't think either of them make it out of the second round, Yep, and I don't feel great about that at all, honestly. From is the guy where you look at it and you go, man, I'd love to have him at the end of the third round, early fourth round, as my long-term backup or spot starter. I just think he's going to be more valued than that by the league. Yeah, and I, I think with Eason, you have a
0: guy who you're hoping really, really hard that you can iron out some of his bad habits, of uh, you know decision making and the, the struggles that we saw against any type of good defense for him, so it, it's your betting. And I think that's one like almost common theme with this class is like with Burrow, you're betting that this one year is the real deal. With Tua, you're betting he can stay healthy. With Herbert and Love, you're betting that their decision making is better than you think it is. Because I don't think either player is particularly inaccurate. I think they just make really bad decisions. Yeah. And like with Jalen Hurts, you're betting that his arm continues to get better.
1: And that his mobility outside of the pocket can ha- have success in the NFL, which is always, you know, still a question, even with some of the guys that are in the pros now. I mean, is it sustainable? Because it's still new and we haven't really seen a guy have that longevity throughout his career with that mobility. I mean, honestly, I think like Michael Vick might be the only one and he was, he's an outlier. He's, he's not the norm. Alright, those are our quarterbacks. Let us know which one you want for your
0: team and which one you don't want for your team. Because I think that's sometimes the, the fun of it. It's like, you know, did you want Daniel Jones last year or are you just rooting for him now because he's a giant? Did you want Dwayne Haskins or is he just now a Redskins so he's your guy? So which quarterback do you not want on your team? You can tweet at us at Stick Football, an account that I believe I will be tweeting on more often now that we have a little downtime over the next couple weeks. We'll see. See how that goes. Let's take a break. We come back. Interior Offensive Line And linebackers. It is not sexy to talk about interior offensive line play unless you're watching Quentin Nelson. But we're going to do it anyway. And I, for the purposes of NFL Draft 400 this year, we put guards and centers together just because there's a lot of versatility. We've seen that over the years. You draft a center, he might play guard, vice versa, and that fits really well with the guy who I have top of my list, Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. I think he could be amazing at either position. Quite honestly. I don't believe that he'll go in the teams, but he could. Like, he's that good of a player that I wouldn't be shocked if we see a Garrett Bradbury type pick for Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. He's just, he's an amazing player. Number two for me, John Simpson, three Lloyd Cushenberry, four Damian Lewis, and five Tyree Phillips. I have a couple guys left out here that you might be thinking, like, why, where's that guy? I'm worried about injury with some of these players. Like, Robert Hunt, love him from Louisiana Lafayette. He's just mean, he's aggressive. I actually would have him. I would have him ranked above Damian. He could play
1: some tackle too.
0: Yeah, I, I just, I have questions about injuries there, and now we're seeing this process get twisted a little bit because of coronavirus. It'll be interesting to see how much we get to know about the medicals for guys like Robert Hunt, Matt Hennessy from Temple, Tyler Beadish from Wisconsin. Then there are other guys like I like Nick Harris from Washington in his own scheme, but I don't like him well enough across the board to put him in a top five as it relates to all thirty-two teams.
1: Yeah, and my list looks uh, quite a bit different. Actually, I have Caesar Ruiz, the center out of Michigan. He's number one. I, I really like his game. Uh, there was, you know, again there for a while. I thought he might fall to the Chiefs, and I was going to be very happy. I think we're kind of out of that talk. Yeah. I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to be available in the 30s anymore. Followed by Tyler Biedish from Wisconsin. I still really like his game. Uh, those Wisconsin guys, I got a big old man crush on those big uglies. And I, I love their game. You know he's going to come in and be a road grader. I think he's athletic enough. Didn't have his best year uh, in 2019, but I think 2018 you put on that film, the guy still looks really good uh, for Wisconsin. Matt Hennessy, the center guard out of Temple that you talked about. I still have some question marks on him, but I like his upside, and I like guys that can go and play both positions. I I think that he could probably back up at guard, maybe start at center, give you a little bit of everything, followed by Lloyd Christianberry. It just starts to get a little thin here. And then John Simpson's my number one like true guard in this class. I like him. He might be drafted in the third or fourth round still, though. So uh, not a lot of depth here after Ruiz... From this position group,
2: I was going to say it just doesn't feel like a star-powered interior class this year. When you look across the board, and no surprise here, I'm with you guys. I have Ruiz as the top interior offensive lineman in this class by a pretty good margin. Uh, you know, and if you've noticed something on the show, we've done as we've done these rankings. We've agreed on the top player at most position groups. I think besides wide receiver and safety, we've had a consensus at these groups. Number two, Robert Hunt. Uh, Matt mentioned some injury concerns going off of film. I love everything this guy's done the last couple of years. He's a really impressive player. And once again, uh, not the most overwhelming group. John Simpson, Mello just mentioned him to round out his top five. I think Matt had him at two. So we all got him into our top five. Not very common on these interior offensive lineman rankings. Lloyd Cushenberry, probably the second best center in this class. I I like what I've seen from him. I think he could be a pretty uh, high-end starter at the next level. And Tyree Phillips from Mississippi State. This dude is just an absolute powerhouse load uh, that I think will kick into guard at the next level. So you look at Hunt. And Phillips, if you've been watching their film, you might be seeing them as tackles, but I think both of those guys are surefire guards at the next level. And for teams like the
0: Titans, you know who like, or if the Raiders lose Gabe Jackson, teams who just want to run the ball down your throat and overpower you. Like Robert Hunt and Tyree Phillips are going to be perfect fits there. Cushenberry, I I was a little bit down on him as the season ended. I even remember watching SEC championship game, the college football playoffs, be like, Man, this dude might be a little overrated. But then you, so you go back after all that, watch him again. It's like he's incredibly smart. That is one of my favorite things about him. He's not gonna, he's not the most athletic. You know, you're not gonna watch him and be like, oh shit, look at him get to the second level. He's just so smart and so technically sound. So I'm a pretty big fan of Lloyd Cushenberry as someone whose Niners are probably gonna need a center because of injury. If you And they don't have picks in rounds 2, 3, or 4. But if you could somehow <laughs> trade back, and get <laughs> some. <laughs> what so do you No, nah, like, just go ahead and take him at 31. Man, today above. I was like, I might throw a Niners mock draft in my scouting notebook for fun. It, it, like, they pick at 31 and they don't pick it until like 147. Like, why the fuck would I do this to my readers? Like, No, no one cares. You're going to go 110 picks without making one. John Lynch is going to take a nap or hibernate. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. All right. Linebackers. This was easy for me. Isaiah Simmons, (laughs) very done. Bullet, new board, as my son would say, finger space. Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray, I have ranked together. Uh, I think they're different while being similar. Um, I think Murray is going to be a better middle linebacker, while Queen would be a better weak side linebacker. Both exceptionally athletic for their positions. Murray... Three years of production. Queen, a one-year starter. The Texas game on, started for LSU, but was dominant. Zach Bond, you probably saw him play more edge than anything at Wisconsin, but we all believe he'll be a linebacker at the next level. And then Jordan Brooks, who Mella mentioned earlier in the show, still a big believer in his athleticism. It is unfortunate we're not going to get C. Uh, him work out. I'm sure he will, but we're not going to see it. Um, I do want to throw two other names in here because they were very close for me. Malik Harrison at Ohio State, who I, I really like, especially if you're still running a base 3-4, I like Malik Harrison a lot. And I really like Logan Wilson from Wyoming.
1: I like this linebacker class. I do too. A lot more than I thought I would. I don't think there are a lot of stars. I think there are three really good ones. But there's a lot of good depth here, too. I have Isaiah Simmons, no duh, number one. Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, they are right there, neck and neck. And I'll tell you, I love both of them. Like you said, I think Murray is probably more of a middle linebacker. Patrick Queen, he's right there, too. I have him at 14 and 16 overall on my board. The speed that both these guys play with, their production, ability to tackle, there are not a lot of holes in in either one of their game I like both of them quite a bit there I like them in the first round obviously I'd take them very high Zach Bond again played a lot of edge but I think we saw him at the senior bowl working a lot of that off-ball linebacker but I like his versatility I have him comped right now to Kyle Van Vannoy I think that's who he can be I think he's a guy that can still get after the quarterback not in a traditional edge position role but I think he can provide some pressure and do some different things on third downs or nickel or or anything like that. And then, Matt, you mentioned Jordan Brooks and Malik Harrison. I have those guys like neck and neck, and I think they're really different players. If you are looking for an old-school, just run-stopping linebacker, I love Malik Harrison. I think Jordan Brooks just gives you a little bit more in coverage. And Ohio State was lucky enough that they had so many damn linebackers this year, they could just say, all right, Malik Harrison, you're really good at stopping the run. First and second down, Playing in the Big Ten, go shut down the run. You're going downhill. And we won't get to see him work out uh, probably either, but I I like him in the second round as well. I mean, him and Jordan Brooks, but I have Jordan Brooks number five overall on my linebacker
2: board. All right, top five for me, Isaiah Simmons, number one. I am curious to see if he actually plays a little more safety at the next level, but I will rank him as a linebacker. Number two, Kenneth Murray. I know you guys have Patrick Queen there. Uh, I think Patrick Queen is a great player. Really dominates in coverage but I just like Murray's rounded out game more than him. So Queen comes in at three, linebacker four, Zach Bond. All four of us have Bond at four. And number five, I'm not going to go Jordan Brooks. I'm going to go Malik Harrison. I mean, he is a Mack truck driving down the highway. That's how he plays. And I love it. And, you know, you bring up a good point. He might just be a two-down backer at the next level, but he is phenomenal at what they ask him to do. And I think he's still a really, really good athlete. So, This is a good linebacker class. I mean, outside of my top five, you have Jordan Brooks, Evan Weaver. I still think Joe Bocce, even with the suspension, I still think he's a good player, and he tested pretty well, too. So this class, uh, it's pretty deep at the linebacker spot, and we've seen these guys fall over the years at this position. So if you're looking in round three or four, I still think you can get yourself a starter or at least a sub-package player that can contribute right away. Yeah, and I think with linebackers, there are a lot of sleepers. Like, there are guys, even
0: like, Logan Wilson, I know a lot of people be like, that's a sleeper. He's a Wyoming. No, there are deeper sleepers. Like, uh, Davion Taylor from Colorado. So that, like, to me, that's a sleeper. Uh, Justin Strand from Wake Forest. That's a sleeper. Marcus Bailey from Purdue, who had he not been mm-hmm. hurt, we might be talking about a, a round two type player, Marcus Bailey. But you can go deeper than that. Like, Kale Garrett from Missouri, really bad Missouri team. That's a good player. Clay Johnson for Baylor. That's a good player. So I think this year at the linebacker position, you mentioned Joe Bocce Connor. Uh, he's probably going to be a, a late day three pick, maybe an undrafted free agent because of the suspension. Uh, that's a really good player. That this might He might be the Dylan Cole of this class who's an undrafted free agent, but ends up being a, a starter, a captain, a key special teams player.
1: I mean, LSU, Miami, they have a couple linebackers in this class uh, that we we kept talking about all offseason, leading into the season. Uh, I think they're all available, too. I really like Carter Coughlin out of Minnesota, too. I know that we... Somehow we have a lot of Minnesota listeners. I guess that's all they do in Minnesota's is listen to podcasts. So I'll, I'll say something good about their guy Carter Coughlin. I really like his versatility, his size, 6'3", 236. I think he's another guy like that Zach Bond that can get after the quarterback and and sub in in different packages and be really disruptive for the right defense.
2: All right, those and are, we didn't even we sorry, didn't even ahead. mention Willie Gay Jr. who had like <sighs> just an yeah. absurd combine. Great, I athlete. mean 4'4", 6'40". He jumps through the roof. Phenomenal. And I think Akeem Davis-Gathier is another guy from App State that kind of reminds me of David Long from last year, who the Titans picked up and contributed right away. So th- it's not the you know the flashiest group of players in this linebacker class, but the list goes on and on of really, really productive guys. Yeah, it's been tough for me because everyone
0: will be like, this linebacker class sucks. I'm like, wait, I don't think it is. Like, I, I think this is a, a
1: pretty good one. When you have three going the first round, I think for sure. Yeah. As, as long well, as we're still counting you know, Simmons as a linebacker. Sometimes I forget about him, and I'm like, oh, I love two of these linebackers, plus whatever the hell Simmons is.
0: Yeah, a defender. You know, just a defensive player. All right, let's take a break. We come back. Your Draft on Draft questions, and uh, we, you know, guys, we might need a lot of those in the next couple of weeks. Uh, if there's, There might not be anything to talk about, so please hit us with those Draft on Draft questions, or we're just going to have to keep re-ranking things. So we'll be back right after this. Draft on draft time. And our guy, Billy Mustafa, two questions. Why are we not hearing more about the Colts moving up into that third pick for Tua? It's a good question, Billy. I mean, the Colts definitely have the draft capital. Um, something Chris Ballard is, uh, we talked about it in our uh, at our event in Indy, It's kind of, hoarded draft picks and we haven't seen them use them same with cap space indy has nine picks in this draft but three in the top 44 i think the reason is because with Tua, we haven't heard about a lot of teams moving up because there's been an assumption that you know either washington would take him at two or miami who has six picks in the top 70 would just get it done themselves and so you know we haven't got down like oh The Raiders have two first rounders. Maybe they do it or, you know, looking at teams, uh, other teams that have a ton of draft capital. So at least for me, that's been the reason. It's just the belief that no one will be able to trump what Miami can offer if they want to go all in on this.
1: Yeah, and I still think that the Colts are holding out for what they have with Brissett, or maybe a run at Phillip Rivers. I think they want a veteran. I don't think this is a front office that's ready to blow it up and say, well, we need a rebuild here. I mean, you were really close. Your quarterback had some injuries and had to retire in his prime. I mean, if that's not the case, this is a team that's contending in the playoffs every year. So I think that they're still trying to find that stopgap guy that can come in and see if they can get to the playoffs. I think if we see next year it doesn't work out, then I think they for sure blow it up and it try to does get a quarterback. It does feel
0: like they believe they have a window to win, and they want to attack that with Rivers, not with Jordan Love or right. Tua.
2: It does, it, it does feel like um, Love is making less sense for them as the destination. For a while it did because you look at it and you go, well, they have Brissette there to hold the fort while he develops for a year. But I think when you look at it, you hear all this, these rumors about Rivers. I don't know how much they're looking at this class. It's a great question, though, because they are one of those teams that we don't talk about. Uh, enough teams with Tua. We talk about Miami all the time. We've talked a little bit about Detroit and Washington and, and I think the Chargers here and there. But you do have to wonder, are there any teams like the Raiders, like the Colts that have more ammo than the average team that can make a sneaky play for it? But that one would still surprise me. All right, the second question here from Billy Mustafa. If you're the Bengals and the Dolphins offer you all three of their first rounders this year for the number one pick, do you take the trade or stay and take Joe Burrow? Taking it. I'm taking that trade. Four first-rounders? You are. Wait. Wait, it's just the three. Rounders.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I thought he said next year's as well. Never mind. Nope, I'm taking Joe Burrow. I was going to say, I was very surprised No, there. I'm sorry. I thought <laughs> he was, was throwing that Joe Burrow fanboy over My here. Yeah. Was sold out <laughs> I read this wrong. I thought it was, because the Dolphins also have two next year. I thought I was getting five first-round picks. Which case, you have to do that. So would you do that? I would do all five if I could have the Dolphins next two first rounders. Yeah, I would. And I I love Joe Burrow, but I think that's at five of you picks.
1: could get to us. So. Yeah, I think you probably just take two of those and get move Trevor it to Lawrence. next year. Yeah, <laughs> right. No and, I mean, if it's just those three this year, I wouldn't move off of it because you're right there to take a quarterback, and you just you can't pass it up. We've seen too many teams fail to get their quarterback and struggle. Cleveland Browns. For a very long time, I I think that you have to take the quarterback if you're in a position to do it. I mean, we're going to see a lot of teams trade up to get the quarterback. I think the price, Matt, like you said, maybe if they're offering me a first-round pick next year to go along with it, if I can get four first-round picks, yeah, I would do that. But I wouldn't do the three this year. I, I think they're sitting there like, what, pick 18 and then again in the 20s. That's not doing it for me. I would stay in
2: draft borough. All right, Garrett Greenlee. Has there ever been a bigger difference in talent between wide receiver and tight ends like there is in this draft class as a whole? Not necessarily just Judy to commit, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I don't remember one like this. I mean, the one that stands out you to go me. Th- oh, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, there's probably like 10 wide receivers I would take before I even get into the tight ends after Komet. I
1: mean, hell, we're talking about some of these receivers and just saying, uh, I'll just move him to tight end instead of drafting one of these tight ends. I mean, this is a really bad tight end class. I remember one year, I think it was like Max Williams came out of Minnesota. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, and it was like, this is the best tight end. 2015 in the class. was Max Williams, not a good tight end
0: class. The receivers were Amari Cooper and Kevin White, who both went top ten. So that year, it was like Max, Clive Waller, Jeff Hireman, Blake Bell. So yes. I, I didn't love that tight end class, but the wide receiver class was definitely not as deep. So that like, that kind of affected it as well. This year's just different, man. Like like you just said, Connor, I have I, I tell you how many receivers I have ranked ahead of Cole Komet. It's a decent amount, seven. So, and and that's to the best tight end. After that, I mean, I probably have 14 or 15 receivers ranked ahead of of the number 2 tight end, whether that's Adam, I think it's Adam Trotman or uh, Bryson Hopkins. So, it's just a wild year for receivers. I actually feel like it's kind of a normal year for tight ends.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think commit gets drafted early in the second round. Well, I won't say early anymore, but in the second round, I think that's usually pretty normal. I think that we've just gotten used to guys like Noah Fant and Hawkinson last year. when We were talking about him in the top 10. That was not normal. You don't see tight ends go like that. So I, I think you're right. I think this is more of a normal year. I have seven receivers also ahead of him. And Brandon Ayuk is actually uh, sitting at right behind him at 41 overall on my board.
2: It's. I mean, we were a little spoiled last year, too. When you look at it, you have TJ Hawkinson was a top 10 prospect or top 10 pick. Uh, Noah Fant, who I, I really, really liked. I mean, there was some good tight ends last year that we knew were going in the first round. While this year, I mean, maybe commit goes in the first round, probably early second round. And then after that, I mean, I, I like Hunter Bryant for what he is. I don't really like the rest of this class. Meanwhile, there's probably 20 receivers I feel really, really good about.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, there's a big discrepancy this year. Next question from Andrew Magnuson. How much do vertical jumps matter for wide receivers? And does T. Higgins' 31-inch jump concern you, given his play style? Clemson Pro Day was Thursday morning. Uh, Higgins jumped 31. He ran a four four three 3 though. So like, I almost feel like that's what we have to talk about more. A guy who we had speed questions about runs fast. We had no questions about his vertical ability, and he jumps poorly. Here's what I'll say, Mags. None of us were at this Pro Day. So I don't like, – did he pull up? Like, did, yeah, did, did he, he up with his footing? Like, what happens to get 31 inches? Because I'll never forget, this taught me a valuable lesson. Several years back at the Combine, there was like a linebacker or D-lineman who only got nine reps on the bench. And all I see on Twitter is such and such player gets nine reps. I fire off a tweet and was like, are you freaking serious? How does he only get nine reps? Well, it turns out he tore his labrum while benching. So it's like, but you don't, you don't have that context when you just see a number. So all that is to say 31 inches would be concerning for his play type, but it needs context. Like I need to know
1: why he only got 31. Yeah. But you also see it on the tape, him being able to go up and get the ball. He is big. I mean, almost six foot four. So I'm not really too concerned about a vertical. Uh, I'll tell you, I watched Donovan Peoples Jones jump out of the gym. It didn't move him up. I mean, I'm glad he was very athletic. I think it shows that he can play above the rim, but it's not it's not a difference maker. Especially when you got a guy like T. Higgins, who we wanted to see him run in like the four fives, and yeah. he goes four four. That's much bigger news. Now I know that he can play vertically uh, in any offense, almost.
2: And then, of course, you have the you know the old pro day home track. 40, oh, yeah. where you're you're going to add a little time to it. I, I think when it comes down to it for T, he's a four-five kind of guy, or maybe just a shade under, and that's fine. That's what you hope he is at his size and the way he plays. I, I think the vertical, sure, it's disappointing, but I've watched enough of the guy for the last two years where I know he plays above the rim, and he's great at the catch point, and he's explosive, so it doesn't really bother me. Uh, it really, really doesn't. I think man the combine the numbers the scoring the testing numbers this year have been tricky because like if you just if you never watched a day of jerry judy in your life and saw his numbers you'd be like no thanks and then you watch him and you're like no it's, this guy is this guy's awesome so i think for t it's just putting everything in context and uh, he's he's still my number five wide receiver and still somebody that i think goes in the first round yeah i have him uh at wide receiver five as well
0: and i yeah, have him, I him think, at four i think he goes first round uh good player, regardless of either number that you look at with that last question from Kenny 1123. If DJ Chark played with Joe Burrow, how high would he have been drafted? I will say this: not even just with Joe Burrow. If he'd played in an offense that was modernized, probably would have gone a lot higher. That's a hell of a player um, who I think we were all too low on. I mean, hell the NFL was too low on DJ Chark. So uh, he was drafted number 61 overall, So, I mean, he was still a round two pick. We're not talking about a guy that went day three. But he was the number eight receiver drafted in that 2018
1: class. I think he would have went higher than... uh, I mean, he looked real good with Gardner Minshew throwing him the ball. So imagine what he could have looked like if he had Joe Burrow. I I mean, I think if he gets to play with Burrow, I think he's a surefire first-round pick. I think that we see him go for 1,000 yards at LSU. I think everybody recognizes that length and speed. Uh, I think that we're talking about him. I mean, pretty much Justin Jefferson, what we saw this year out of him. I think he goes probably a little bit
2: ahead of him. I mean, 1,000-yard season for Chark. I'm trying to look where I had him. Okay, so I had him 31st overall that year. I thought the film was good. He was really fast. He ran by people. He got open, and the ball didn't get there. So I think it's a great question because... He should have been a top forty pick, and he could have been a top thirty pick if he had a good quarterback and, like you said, Matt, a good offensive scheme that really matched, uh, you know, the kind of player he was. It's he's one of those guys where I feel like a lot of people liked him, and he fell down the board a little bit. But man, I, he would be even better in the NFL. I'll not take away anything from Gardner, who had a really nice season, but I know we go back to this all the time, and it's probably annoying at this point. But if you put Chark in an offense like Kansas City where they're pushing the ball down the field. He's a guy that has 1,400 yards and double-digit touchdowns right away, in my opinion. Yeah. I had him at 57 overall that year
0: so, right about where he was drafted, which was, uh, again, uh, too low, in my opinion, especially when you consider that, like, Dante Pettis was drafted ahead of him, Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington, uh, who hasn't been bad, but then DJ Chark and Michael Gallup were the next two receivers picked. So... And they're pretty good. They're both pretty good. Not bad football players. All right. That is our show. Connor and I will be back Monday afternoon. We'll record Monday morning. We'll be back Monday afternoon. Uh, Have a safe weekend, everyone. Be smart. Like Melo said, pay attention to what's going on. CDC.gov. Follow them on Twitter uh, if you want to stay up. If not, if you want to ignore it hop on twitter we'll be answering questions having fun all weekend and of course you can go back and listen to old episodes of stick to football if you want apple podcast stitcher and spotify we'll talk to y'all monday morning have a good weekend